Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchioni, and I'm not yet joined by Mark Chenoweth, but I am joined by Janine Eunice, um, who uh, is with me also on the case of Missouri v. Biden, which you started, where we represent uh, four individual clients who were thrown off social media and downgraded by the acts of their own government. And there has been just a lot of activity in the last week in Missouri v. Biden, hasn't there, <laughs> there Janine? Has. It's been a very exciting <laughs> So, So why don't you just give our listeners some idea? I mean, it seems like there's a filing a day by somebody <laughs> somewhere. Well, I don't know if I can remember at this point, but the Supreme... So the case is, uh, is in the Supreme Court, at least on a stay motion. The government has asked the Supreme Court to stay the lower court Fifth Circuit's preliminary injunction grant of a preliminary injunction. Um, the Supreme Court was supposed to. And, and then they've also asked to petition for certiorari to take the whole case. Right, right. right. So. so the Supreme Court had initially uh, granted an administrative stay through last Friday. So we were expecting them to either grant the stay or deny it, which would be very telling in terms of what their opinion of the case is overall. On Friday, uh, instead, Alito, who's in charge of this application, um, extended it through today <laughs> at midnight. So we're uh, waiting for that. But in the meantime, we filed a motion to reconsider in the Fifth Circuit because we didn't like some components of the Fifth Circuit's decision. And uh, and this is all driven by timing. You have a certain amount of time you have to do things. So we had right. to, so we asked the panel to address what we believe is a mistake in in letting certain people out of the injunction, certain exactly. entities, State Department insists and stuff like and that. And it's it's not just factual, it's also the legal standard. We think they used the wrong legal standard and right. that led them to let these people yeah. out. So, so so we're in the Supreme Court on the injunction. We're in the Fifth Circuit on a rehearing panel. Then what happens? And then the Fifth Circuit, so we filed the reconsideration motion in the Fifth Circuit on Friday. And then very unexpectedly, the Fifth Circuit granted- Monday the, morning. Monday morning, <laughs> granted the reconsideration motion before the government even had a chance to respond, which it can do, but it's highly unusual not to give the other uh, party the opportunity to brief. So, then, so, so, hold, so, so then, so of course, we think this is something the Supreme Court might want to know that the Fifth Circuit's going to reconsider the very injunction that the Supreme Court is looking at and has been asked to stay and look into all these things. And there's all this stuff going on in the Supreme Court. Right. And but, that's because if the Fifth <clears throat> Circuit were to change something, that would affect what the Supreme Court is addressing. Yeah, so, and what they're right. asked to stay, right? Exactly. So so we we all the all the uh, plaintiffs uh, or in the Supreme Court, the respondents put in our two that that look, this is happening, right? So so now, the government by uh, Elizabeth Prelegar, who some of you may know, I love listening to her arguments in front of the Supreme Court. I think she has the perfect voice for uh, <laughs> being up there. But 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 you could tell from the briefing that she was as confused as everybody else about what happened because the <laughs> the mandate had issued. So that means that when the Fifth Circuit made its its ruling, it then sent the case back to the district court to to keep going with the case 
and then the, the government brought it to the Supreme Court. We asked for a hearing in the Fifth Circuit. So at that moment, the case, parts of the case were now in the district court, they were in the Fifth Circuit, and they were in the Supreme Court. And this is really unusual. You don't really see this every day or really ever. <laughs> no. So so I I, I don't blame uh, uh, Solicitor General Prelikar for um, being somewhat confused as to what the heck was going on. So her 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 brief to the Supreme Court was we didn't get a chance to respond and 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 we really need to stay now because there's no stay there and, and you know she basically complained about this about this uh, this state of facts so <clears throat> then I was it the next when what then happened yesterday yeah the so district Tuesday, that's uh, sorry the Fifth Circuit unexpectedly withdrew its order <clears throat> granting the reconsideration motion which I've never heard of a court doing again, and instead ordered the government to respond by Thursday, tomorrow, uh, to the um, to our motion for reconsideration. So, and apparently had a clerk. Well, no, no, clerk, no, you're not so, done. Hold oh, it, don't okay. forget what it yeah. also did. It also then stayed the whole injunction. Right. Till it can consider the rehearing, the panel right. rehearing, if it grants a panel rehearing right. until this whole motion practice is over and it withdrew the mandate from the district court. Right. So right. it did those three things like it had read Prelegar's <laughs> piece to the Supreme court, you would think, yeah. but I don't know that that's true, but I don't know that it's not true either. So it had done three things to kind of clear up the record, but then we see in the news, <laughs> what do we see in the news, which uh, is unprecedented. A clerk is telling the media that the order was granting the reconsideration motion was a mistake, which, is uh, it's unprecedented for a clerk to talk to the press like that to admit that it was a mistake? I don't know how such a mistake is made. Yeah. And, and saying it was a clerk's mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and these are not the clerks. And I for our lawyer listeners, this is a clerk of the court, not a clerk of one of the judges. And he did it by name. I'm not going to mention him because um, I suspect that that's I, I suspect that it is not fully accurate because yeah. we've talked to some Fifth Circuit. Uh, judges clerks and nobody knows how this type of mistake could be made by just a clerk i mean it's an order right yeah it's i, I i'm i'm perplexed <laughs> i had i i'd have a lot of twitter followers who follow the case and so i tweeted out what was going on and someone asked for for the non-lawyers can you explain what what this means and i was like the lawyers don't know either so <laughs> i was actually so glad to see solicitor general prelegar's submission because i had actually come in uh, and I was talking to Janine and I looked, I said, you know, I've been doing this for more than three decades and I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. So it, it, uh, I think it's all tempest in a teapot. I don't think it matters to the merits yeah. at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just an interesting, uh, it's very curious what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> exactly. And we, we obviously don't know. Um, but it is, it is a curious, uh, uh, very odd because, um, this is all, all this is happening at warp speed for law, right? Uh, usually these things unfold uh, in 30 day filings, basically, or 21 day at least. And these, and, and everyone's filing things willy nilly uh, because the government obviously doesn't want the injunction to go into place because they want to keep silencing you on social media. <laughs> and, yeah. and we don't, and we want it to go in because we don't want them to do that. And, uh, as the government loses at each stage of the of the it, it goes higher up and it, it's now at the Supreme Court. So 
So here's how it stands now, as far as I can tell. Tell me if I'm missing something. But it strikes me that right now, before the Supreme Court, is the is whether they're going to stay the Fifth Circuit injunction, and whether or not, um, and, and then whether or not they're going to take issue a certiorari and take the whole case up uh, and look at it. Meanwhile, the Fifth Circuit is going to have a re- panel rehearing at some point, unless it, the government is so good in their opposition to our our motion on Friday that they go, hmm, boy, there really shouldn't be a rehearing. Um, and then uh, and then they could they could issue a new order. So I think it's my view that the Supreme Court uh, will probably just send this back to the fifth. They have a stay now. Right? Yeah. So I, I suspect it. So you, you all the listeners can check my predictions. I, I do predict <laughs> I do predict that uh, the Supreme Court's going to do nothing because yeah. Which, although there was some uh, speculation that the reason they extended the administrative stay through Wednesday was that some of the justices were already writing an opinion. So they might be annoyed. (laughs) They're not going to get to use that opinion, but they can put it in their pocket Uh, because (laughs) the real the real problem here, of course, is that um, as as some of our people know who follow this is this is the dreaded shadow docket. Um, and it, it, it's basically emergency docket. The government brought the case up there because they say it's an emergency if they don't get to silence you on social media. So, so it's the emergency docket, which doesn't have, uh, sort of the full petition for certiorari, full timing, full briefing. And so, and they, and they sometimes do things with either short or no opinions. So, um, I think that with all the why go looking for trouble, right? Yeah. Why why should they why should why should they do anything right now? They can just wait and let the Fifth Circuit work its uh, its will and and not do anything. So that I will be very surprised, and I will come on and I will give mea culpas if I'm wrong on that. You well, see any difference? No, I think you're probably right. But uh, there were a lot of predictions made last week, and this this threw a whole wrench in it. Oh, yeah. What were those? Why don't we? Why don't we? Well, last week's prediction, I think, was that uh, from uh, Rich Samp, who has a lot of experience with the Supreme Court, was that they would grant cert on the papers and deny the state, which would have been um, more or less good for us. So, you know, we were hoping to get something along those lines by now, but right. But not, it's <laughs> we're going to have to wait. <laughs> it's true. I, I had hoped I had hoped that this whole thing would unfold. And then and then the Fifth Circuit just uh, came out of nowhere um, and and uh, issued issued two orders in the course of two days so so um i i guess they're they're primed for it um and i don't think the i don't think the supreme court's going to comment on the procedural posture at all right they're not going to throw shade yeah, at i would circuit. i would think not <laughs> yeah i i i can't imagine i can't imagine they would but it is it is uh it it, it was causing a um as i said the the briefing of the government it seemed to me um, had a, a slight exasperated tone to it, and I, and I do think that uh, the pace of this uh, maybe caused the mistakes. Maybe that was it. Maybe it's just the pace of it. Who knows? I still don't understand how you issue an order by mistake, but I... <laughs> no, neither 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 do the clerks of the Fifth Circuit that I've <laughs> spoken to. So we'll we 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 will we you know I I go uh, Howard Bashman has how appealing, and there's some of these other appellate things. I think they're gonna chew on this a while so i i do think we will see maybe more informed speculation than my 
than my speculation, which is is uh, completely uninformed. Um, but anyways, Janine, thank you for being here. Um, we'll be back in a little bit, and uh, we'll talk about more administrative law. Welcome back to Administrative Static. This is Mark Chenoweth here with John Vecchioni and Janine Yunus. And we have a, another victory uh, to announce. And, and this, this might not sound like a new victory to folks, but, but I, I think once we explain, uh, they'll, they'll understand. We uh, have managed to obtain a joint stipulation from the Securities and Exchange Commission in the, uh, in the Cochrane v. Securities and Exchange Commission case. And, and just to clarify, this is the case that Michelle Cochran was suing the SEC. So you remember the SEC had an administrative proceeding against Michelle Cochran uh, over some uh, accounting paperwork uh, violations that, that they had alleged. And they had tried to drag her, well, they did drag her through one administrative enforcement proceeding in front of an unconstitutionally appointed administrative law judge. Then they were trying to bring her in front of a second uh, also unconstitutional administrative law judge who was shielded from presidential removal in, a, in an unconstitutional way. That's when NCLA stepped in, represented her, sued the SEC in federal district court in the Northern District of Texas and said, hey, you can't, you can't do this. There are these unconstitutional things happening at the SEC. And that went all the way up to the Supreme Court because the district court said that it didn't have jurisdiction to decide those constitutional questions the uh, a panel of the Fifth Circuit agreed with that. The Fifth Circuit on Banco overturned that. And then that was upheld by the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court. So there was jurisdiction. So then Michelle goes back to federal district court now knowing that the district court has jurisdiction to hear her constitutional claims against the SEC. And what does the SEC do, John? Lo and behold, they not only dismissed her case, they dismissed 41 other pending enforcement cases uh, back on uh, June 2nd. Uh, Know, not just against Ms. Cochran, but also against our client, uh, Marion Young, uh, and our former client, Christopher Gibson. And essentially, uh, you know, we think that the SEC was trying to avoid having any of these constitutional questions teed up uh, in any of its cases. And, and they'd all been caught in this limbo of administrative adjudication before the SEC, before the agency, for all this time. And suddenly, suddenly, they've decided that all 42 have to go for administrative reasons. Yeah. I mean, so, the, so essentially what happened is that the Cochrane ruling uh, freed all of these Americans who were trapped in interminable regulatory purgatory. And we thought that that was going to mean some cases in federal district court in front of, right. in front of the agency. They weren't so fond of that idea. But the other thing that was happening here uh, is that the agency admitted that it was pilfering electronic files that belonged to the administrative law judges at the agency. And they had, they had disclosed that that had happened in the Cochran case and, and one other case uh, about a year ago, in April, or I guess 18 months ago now, in April of 2022. 
But then when they dismissed these cases back on June 2nd of this year, they disclosed that this data breach, this internal data breach at the SEC had actually occurred in dozens more cases than they had originally reported. And the SEC had known about this for years. So it was really a self-serving dismissal of these pending enforcement cases, uh, we would say, because the SEC was trying to avoid uh, accountability for uh, and, and avoid having to disclose in the course of discovery in these cases and so forth exactly what it was doing behind the curtain with all of this illegality uh, taking place. And, you know, they downplayed it as a control deficiency, John, but this was, this was abhorrent behavior. Uh, this is the kind of thing that would get a lawyer disbarred. If you, if you go and look at the judges, if you go into the computer system and you say, oh, look, bench memos from the judge, I'll just download these onto my side of the database and, and read them. And then you didn't tell the court that it happened. Let's say it happened accidentally. You didn't tell the court for years that it happened and you didn't give it back. There's no, there's no, none of that, right? None of that. So um, the waiting, it's one thing if, if, if you, you somehow come across the, the opponent's briefing and you hand it back and you let them know that has actually happened with us, with the FTC on both sides, a number of times. And we immediately tell the other side, it's no big deal, but why in God's name you wait for years that there's something bad there. Something, something rotten in the state of Denmark uh, over at the SEC. And, uh, you know, we were ready to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and the SEC knew that. And so their solution was to dismiss the case against Michelle Cochran. But we said, well, now, wait a minute. You're dismissing this case without prejudice, meaning you could just turn around and bring the case again. And we'd have to start from scratch. She's already done that twice. We're not interested in having her do that a third time. And so our colleague, Peggy Little, negotiated uh, with the SEC and said, hey, we need a dismissal with prejudice. That went all the way up to the commission. And the commission said that they, as a matter of policy, don't do these dismissals with prejudice. But as a matter of their discretion, they said that they, quote, will not bring a future administrative proceeding against Cochrane, unquote. So that is functionally the same as a dismissal uh, with, with prejudice of the right. administrative proceeding. And that is what led to the joint stipulation in the Northern District of Texas that Michelle was willing then to dismiss her case against the agency. Right. And the courts will obviously, I, I think they'll enforce that. They're not going to let the, the SEC renege. But also th this case, just the facts of it. In, in e that e even though we know. headlined our press release, SEC surrenders to NCLA client Michelle Cochran, you, you don't <laughs> think that'll cause him to, to back off? I don't think it will. And I think, I think one of the things about this was she was like an accountant with a company years that they waited until she'd moved on and nothing had happened. And then they, they come after her when she's totally away from this, this whole outfit. So yeah. it's not like, it's not like there's some, <laughs> something that anyone's getting away with here. It's, it's, it was bad to bring it in the first place. It was terrible. It was, it was the last of the, of the accused conduct had occurred in 2013. They came after her in 2016 and the bad actor was the boss that she left behind. She right. left, you know, she left the, the organization because uh, of some of the things that she wasn't comfortable with that had happened. And rather than, you know, rather than, uh, than sort of put the screws to uh, her former employer, uh, they cut a deal with him and then tried to put the screws to his former employees. It makes no sense. I don't know what the SEC was thinking. And I don't know why they stuck with the case this long. They must have spent a million dollars on this case that was worth maybe Ten or twenty thousand dollars. I mean, this was a this was a nothing burger of a case, and they spent a small fortune on it. And and then think of the other forty one cases, right? Uh, how much how much time and effort has been put in those forty one cases? 
I mean, some of those have gone on a good long time too, right? Gibson. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Five, six, seven years. A lot of them, maybe even longer in a couple of cases. So it is, it is something. And, and, um, and I do think, um, and some of those cases, by the way, were legitimate cases. It is not NCLA's position that all 42 cases were, now they may have all been infected by, by right. this, uh, you know, by this pilfering of the files and some of those kinds of things, but the actual underlying cases, they weren't all. Right. The, the Even a blind of... squirrel gets a nut now and again, <laughs> is what you're saying, right, Mark? Yeah. And then why would the blind squirrel dismiss all of the cases <laughs> indiscriminately? That's the part that I think is is really telling about what the SEC was up to here. It it didn't want anybody to be able, even the legitimate defendants, to be able to raise these issues uh, about what the SEC had done. I hadn't thought of that. That's right, because if I guess they probably think it's worse if they found someone who had really violated the securities laws in a very uh, bad way getting off because of this, right? That would be a big black eye to them. That so. would be a big black eye. So instead, they just give the black eye to themselves, which is a little strange. But, you know, if someone goes into a dark room and comes out, well, they were the only one in there and they come out with a black eye. It's a little <laughs> funny. Like, why are you punching yourself in the face here, SEC? That's that's kind of odd behavior. Maybe somebody should look into that or, you know, give them some sort of a mental exam what's going on over there uh and i think congress will do that i don't i don't think this is is going away i mean the sec tried to take its ball and go home here to avoid accountability but uh unfortunately for the sec ncla does not plan to let it off the hook so easily and uh michelle cochran's battle is is over and won but uh, i predict that the war against sec's disdain for constitutional due process is just beginning and we will find other opportunities uh, to come after the SEC in other cases, and and starting perhaps John and and uh, you know I don't I'm not trying to make news here, but the SEC revealed that it had pilfered files in these 42 cases of, of of the pending enforcement actions. They didn't divulge what happened in the cases that have already settled, and that is another giant tranche of cases over the last you know four or five years, however far far back, and we don't really know however far back this pilfering goes. What about all those defendants? What about Ray Lucia, who settled? What about some of these other defendants uh, whose cases very well may have been infected by this same tainted uh, brand of adjudication? What sort of justice is available uh, to them now? I think that's something uh, that the federal courts are going to have to to grapple with and that the SEC is going to have to grapple and with. And it's, you know, settlements are usually enforced unless there's a important material fact known to one side, not known to the other. And that sounds like one right there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a material fact that was more, uh, you know, more material uh, than the fact that one side was looking at the judge's notes and the other side didn't not only wasn't looking at the judge's notes, but didn't know that the other side was looking at the judge's notes. That's a, that, that's a pretty significant, that's the kind of thing that might affect your decision whether or not to settle. I'll put it that way. And I do think we should, we, we should point out uh, that, that the uh, terms that the SEC uses for this is very funny. I mean, instead of saying pilfering or breach or any of that stuff, it's a control deficiency. Ah, yes, a control deficiency. You know, I and the thing is, how long did it take them to come up with that? How many people sat around going, "What do we call this?" Well, I think that's what most of the money went to the uh, <laughs> to the consultant for was to come up with that. You know, they hired the they hired a consultant to dig into this, uh, and they're not making public, you know, all aspects of what the 
what the consultant found, but it's a consultant that they pay millions of dollars to for something else. And mysteriously, the consultant looked into this and said, oh, you know, there doesn't seem to be much to see here. Uh, you know, if, if a company tried to hire its own prior consultants for millions of dollars to get to the bottom of an internal investigation and, and it came back and said, oh, you know, not really much to see here, uh, the SEC would not take kindly to that uh, sort of uh, internal investigation. The, the inspector general needs to get to the bottom of this. Congress needs to get to the bottom of this. There is a lot of SEC illegality that has yet to be exposed with this. But the good news is Michelle Cochran is out of the crosshairs of the SEC. She wins. Uh, and uh, now we can get on to the business of a little bit more at the SEC. Later another. Case.